1: Hello there everybody and welcome to the Talking City podcast brought to you by the Manchester Evening News. My name is Dan Murphy, and joining me today as ever, and isn't it good to say that again, is Mr. Simon Bukowski. Sai, how's it going? Yeah, very well, thanks. Dan, how are you? Yeah, I'm all good, me, Rita's rain, as ever, and it's you know it's been an incredible week for Manchester City as well, not least because they have twice vanquished Chelsea in a matter of Days. The latest one, of course, coming in the FA Cup um, this weekend on Sunday. A four-nil victory, an emphatic victory at that. Two goals from Rian Mares one from Phil Foden, and, and another from Elian Alvarez. Uh, yeah, so it's been quite the um, quite a successful few days for City, playing Chelsea twice and winning twice. Um, but was this game more a case of City being really good or a case of Chelsea being really really bad?
0: I don't think Chelsea were really, really bad. I was kind of discussing it with someone at the game and they they weren't like... It wasn't like anyone was like three out of ten. They were just kind of like all five, five and a half. It was just like not quite there. Um, obviously, they've got loads of injuries, um, but the fans obviously weren't very happy either, um, chancing for Roman for Abramovich and Thomas Tuchel. So clearly there's, there's a big... Uh, Upset with with fans not having either Graham Potter or or Todd Bowley to um, to sort of support really. So City took advantage of that in a way that they didn't on Thursday night. I'd say um, it was pretty clear from the outset that City were the better team, and three quick goals. I mean the the first one is is brilliant from Mares. The second one is awful from Kai Havertz. And the third one is, is a brilliant City goal. And once that happened, you know, the second half was a was a non event. Um City knew they were in the the next round and Chelsea knew they were in the next round really. They they had a bit of a more of a go, but it it never looked like City were in were in trouble. So, you know, you can only beat what's in front of you, but I think they they've still beaten Chelsea twice in in four days, like you say, which is which should be kind of noticed by everyone else.
1: Yeah, and I think as you mentioned on last week's pod, it's kind of a blow to Chelsea as well to lose twice to City in such quick succession. Further down that Premier League, they don't look like they'll be stake any sort of challenge, maybe even for the top four, let alone the um the title if things don't turn around quickly, you know, with the way they may well be spending in January, um that could change, but it doesn't look like that at the minute. And then obviously being knocked out of the FA Cup, they got to the final last year, losing um was it actually City they knocked out on the way to that final as well? Or at least one of them there was the Cup competitions were basically simultaneous last year, weren't they? With Chelsea and Liverpool both getting to the finals. But I say it deals a significant blow to Chelsea's kind of season, going out of pretty much two competitions and well as you mentioned I think Chelsea I know I said they were bad there it's just like they were uninspiring they were kind of like competent for a bit of it I think some of the young players they've got look really good I think Lewis Hall actually looks like a real player I think it was against City in the Carabao Cup wasn't it earlier this season when he played and should have scored at least once when he went through on Edison he looks like a really good player but they just um I should say it doesn't look like they've been they're buying into Potter at the minute which is a shame because he's clearly a talented coach but he's been left with quite an imbalanced squad and it's just that Marez now who will kind of move on to he's kind of found this form again but before last few weeks he was probably City's um, the bottom of City's attacking pecking order you'd say and he's better than any, any forward Chelsea have got um, by some distance
0: yeah definitely um I, I liked Lewis Hall's performance. I thought, you know, Maris skinned him in the first five minutes and you thought, oh, we could be on for a sort of classic experienced pro-takes-apart young defender and that really didn't happen, which is which is credit to to him. But when you've got players like Riyad Maris who can just pop in free kicks like it's nobody's business, then you, that is one of City's strengths that they've got players who can score score from anything really. Um and, you know, there's nothing more disheartening, I think, as a as a team who's struggling and, and going up against it than, you know, you you don't want to give away the free kick, but you, you give away a free kick kind of thirty thirty yards out. Um and then someone just pops it in the top corner and you like all the work that you've done to to keep the scores level and stay in the game. Um and then that happens but yeah it it was just kind of like a a bland performance from chelsea i think they you know they've not they've not got a great striker and they really didn't um look like they had any threat i don't i don't think Ortega had one save to make or very very little to do um so it was a a comprehensive win for city and i think chelsea's expected goals was like 0.09 which is just ludicrous and especially ludicrously low for a for a top six game so so City absolutely controlled the game and dominated um in a way that they they really didn't in the first half at Stamford Bridge
1: absolutely absolutely and it's you know it's kind of the first really strong results that you've had uh, for quite a while now they obviously they beat Leeds quite well 3-1 but Leeds are you know our leads so have defensively open they always be. Um, but every game since the kind of restart has been quite close. They obviously drew with Everton. Um, you know, the Premier League game with Chelsea was only a, a 1 0 win. And, you know, we've talked on at length about our city are a bit out of sorts. And coming back from the World Cup, it has been a bit up in the air. We've heaped praise on Rico Lewis, and we probably will again. But it's been kind of strange how Walker and Cancelo have been slow getting back in. Obviously, there's been Foden on the bench. But he started here, Walker started, Cancelo came on. Is there a bit of sense now that? Maybe a bit of normalcy is resuming with this. Such a, I know it was a kind of a changed Chelsea team with um, a few youngsters in, and but it was a really emphatic control display, one that we probably haven't seen to quite an extent for quite a while. Is this case of City kind of getting back to the grindstone now, everything kind of equaling out after the turbulent couple of weeks?
0: I think so. Yeah, um, you know, crises at City are always a bit overblown because they they win so often that when they don't, it's like, oh, right, what's going on? And it kind of felt like Guardiola was a bit annoyed and irked by people criticising the the draw with Everton because he, you know, genuinely felt they played played well and, and you know, they were the better team. So it, it kind of like he made his bonkers formation at Chelsea and it all kind of backfired and it was the worst half city of putting in a, in a good while even though the second half at Everton wasn't great and then he made those half-time changes, he made the changes on the hour mark and everything clicks back in and it was kind of like on Sunday in the FA Cup game everything worked, You know, Foden came back in and was very good, Kyle Walker came back in and was very good, Um, they didn't let Chelsea get anywhere near their goal, Um, Sergio Gomez who hadn't played since the the league cup win over chelsea and that was a bit of a question mark because he'd kind of um he hadn't gone to the world cup was one of the few that hadn't gone but hadn't played in any games since and it sort of you think well that doesn't look good for him if he if he's not starting say the league cup game with liverpool but he you know looked positive again going forwards even if he was a bit a bit reckless at the back and yeah like you know you you get 3-0 up at half time and you can take Rodri off who needs rest and give Calvin Phillips time to get in Cancelo comes on so it, it was kind of like the perfect afternoon for for City um, and Guardiola could just sit back and enjoy it
1: mm-hmm. and It was certainly a perfect um, evening for Riyad Mahrez he's been in quite a run of form since uh, the club football resumed following the World Cup. Um, an assist at Everton, goal against Liverpool, goal against Chelsea. The winner last week, and now two um, here with his uh, with his penalty and um, brilliant free kick. You know we we've talked a lot about how comparing kind of Phillips' situation to Mares and how back in October Guardiola said he isn't in the best physical condition, needs to work on it. And again, he he, he was quite interested on Mares after this game here, saying that he's kind of. His um attitudes has improved a lot, and it 's really reflecting his performances because you know he earned a new contract and deservedly so in the summer after being the club 's top goal scorer last year and was really good, really crucial, scoring some you know i know he 's missed penalty He missed the Dortmund and, and another penalty wasn 't it um before he finally dispatched his one quite emphatically against chelsea, but he scored um important, important crucial goals in the past, and he 's doing it again now and it it really looks like um He's gone back to that top form that he was in last season which is obviously great for City given all the attacking options they have now. Yeah, he's playing
0: really well and and I think the the criticism that, you know, some have had of Mares and I've probably had it as well in the past is that too many of his kind of goals and assists that you would use to say he deserves to be in the team haven't mattered, haven't been decisive as such, you know, they've been the third in a 4-0 win or um, something like that, and you know, Guardiola does absolutely love his mentality and loves him for the big games. But when you sort of in such a competitive field, you know, it, you're not scoring three goals in the derby, are you? And things like that. Um, and he is the least flexible City forward in the sense that he can only play on the right wing, and that's and that's that. And you know, that is a problem for City bringing through Cole Palmer. Because Cole Palmer's best position and the position he enjoys most is the right wing. So, you know, if you're having. It, you can give Palmer a chance in the FA Cup or the League Cup, but if you're not playing him on the right wing, you've got to accept that you're not going to get the best out of him. Um, and it, I mean, he was on the left for the Chelsea game, he did all right. But, you know, like I say, you're never going to get the best out of him because if, if you play Mares, Mares has to play on the right wing. But when he's doing things like that, you don't mind because he's he's winning your games. And I, I think there have been times in his City career where he has been absolutely crucial. Um, I think the 2020-21 20, 20, 20, 20, season was probably his best um, in a City shirt, especially that run through to the Champions League final. He was, he was outstanding last year. He, he got more goals and assists, but like I was saying, it, it didn't feel like he had a better season and Guardiola certainly didn't think so. Um, and then yeah it, you know this season he's been called out for being not fit basically by the manager um, just like he did with with Calvin Phillips but it felt like you know it was a long way back for him to get into the team but he's done it and he showed everyone else this is how how you do it and yeah I mean the derby's in in a week and you certainly will not bet against Mara's being in the 11 for that because Guardiola loves his attitude and you know also sees that he's very much in form
1: Mm-hmm yeah, absolutely. You know, a player who might be a little struggling a little bit more to get into the starting eleven, but was back in it for the first time since winning the World Cup on Sunday was Ileen Alvarez. He marks his return to the starting lineup with a goal from the penalty spot, just about sneaking it in past Kepa Ariza Begulaga. How did Alvarez do? Um, you know, starting. Haaland wasn't involved as we as we'll touch on. He led the line. Um, has Haaland got some serious competition for a starting berth or will it still be the case if Alvarez comes in just to just to rest uh, the Norwegian? Um I think Alvarez
0: would have to score 30 goals in 20 games to to give Haaland any kind of competition um for a, for a starting place because that's just how good Haaland is. Um I I was really impressed with the penalty and especially Kepa trying to put him off and Alvarez just laughing it off basically and then sticking it past him Kepa nearly got there um but he didn't cuz the penalty was too too well taken and City have had plenty of issues with penalties and it looks like they've got a a cool head and um another potential penalty taker for when Haaland is off um I think it it's similar to Gabriel Jesus when he was kind of riffing off Sergio Aguero it's if you're always kind of going to be in the number 2 position um, you have to show that you can score the goals and Jesus came into City and scored loads of goals and so put Aguero out of the team um, and then as the years went on he kind of stopped scoring goals and that will be the, the test for Alvarez. because yeah he scored a penalty did he have any other chances in the game where he looked like scoring I, I can't remember any off the top of my head Um you know, there's always the potential that he plays alongside Haaland and kind of does running, which he does very well and did for Messi in the World Cup. But then you lose another forward or a midfielder and that kind of gives a different balance to the team. So it it was a a good enough performance. Um, He certainly looked sharp after his rest. Um, Didn't have much rest, but you know, he, he looks good, um, but I don't think, you know, the World Cup's gonna change, Pep's thinking on Alvarez um in the in the long term. I mean he was already a big fan and he will still be, but Haaland is is better.
1: Mm-hmm. Of, course, of course, I don't think there's any argument there but like one player he may have changed his mind on is Phil and he got the um, the third goal in the game tapping on a, a lovely move um, down the left hand side and he actually was deployed in midfield for the first time in quite some time um, here Si, I should say called Palmer out on the left and and coming back into the middle we haven't seen him much there as I say it was a big reason why um, Gary Southgate was kind of reluctant to play him at first during the World Cup, and definitely in in a midfielder in a ten role because he simply doesn't play there for City at present over the last two years. I think when I, when I was doing some research into that, I'd say I don't think he played double figures in midfield over the last ten years. And in games that he has, it has been in these sort of Carabao Cup games and FA Cup games. But here he was against a good standard of opposition. And how did he do back in the middle? Could he could he be seeing a return there, um, kind of quite promptly? Given as I said, Mares and Grealish is looking good as well, and Alvarez there a lot of attacking options if Pep wants to fit more of them in he can quite easily move Foden back into the midfield.
0: Yeah Foden into midfield is a weird one because he came through the academy as a midfielder and Pep sees his future in the middle and Kevin De Bruyne sees his future in the middle but they both said that he's not quite there yet he's not quite disciplined enough to play that role and I mean also he kind of gave them a threat from the wide positions when they didn't have a number 9 that they wouldn't have had um otherwise and you know you think back to him scoring three in the derby and that's the kind of thing he can do from out wide um but city have a big decision coming up or two big decisions coming up in the sense that you know Ilkay Gundogan's out of contract at the end of the year and Bernardo Silva has said again that you know he will be open to to leaving so you've got Kevin De Bruyne who's still key, but not the youngest. Um, and then, depending on what the two other number eights decide, they've uh, they've either got to go into the market to sign a marquee midfielder, or they've got to move one of Foden and Grealish inside, or both. Realistically, for next season, so so Foden's time in the middle may well be coming. Um, as a reaction to to other decisions in the squad. I think, you know, he, he played very well there. it he, it's hard to sort of think of too many games where Foden has played badly because he is just a very good footballer. So put him wi- put him wide and he will do well. Put him in the middle and he will he will do well. Um and it obviously he did very well to, to be in the box to to finish off um the move for the third. So yeah, full of potential. Um, I don't think we'll see Foden too often in the middle for the rest of the season. But like I say, next season might be the time when when they bring him in.
1: talk more about the kind of the upcoming derby in next week's, well, we are at the start of this week, and later on this week following the Southampton game, and we'll preview the derby, but you know, Foden, and as I say, Walker and Cancelo, all have been kind of on the outs since the cl- uh, resumption of club football, Guardiola have been kind of patient with them, or at least not exactly pleased with how fit they've been coming back, and wanting to wanting them to get back to their absolute best before putting them in um, uh, a lot um, but you know, starting here, Walker starting, do you see Foden, especially, do you see them coming, kind of coming back into the starting eleven on a more regular basis now. Especially, you know, ahead of the derby, it's hard to kind of predict what team they'll be um, for the Southampton game, which we'll talk about presently. But you know, for the Premier League, for the big games, and there's a hell of a lot of them coming up. Are, is Foden, Walker, and Cancelo are they kind of more back in the the starting frame now?
0: Yeah, I think Walker and Cancelo are seen as the best left back and right back. I think there's a, sort of more pressure on Cancelo in the sense that. Um, City have Ake and Laporte who can play left-back. I know Stones and Akanji can play right-back, but Walker's a bit ahead of Cantelo, I would say, just for his his defensive ability. You would like to think that Foden comes back in more. I mean, when Guardiola has been asked why he was left out against Leeds and Everton, it was that Guardiola wanted more, more passes from... Uh, from Grealish and Mares to kind of keep the tempo and not leave City too open to counters, like we've seen now against Chelsea, what happens when you play a team that is more ready to to attack you? Um, and City have got a lot of games coming up against teams that you would like to think is will attack them. You know, if United don't attack them at Old Trafford, it's a bit embarrassing for United because they should be considering themselves likely can compete with City and Tottenham and Arsenal. Um and a lot of these teams are games where you would think, Yeah, you want you want Foden's qualities and maybe you do want a Maris or a Grealish as well, but having both of them in um could be seen as, you know, a bit like fans saw after the Everton game, like too much control um to the detriment of of actual pace and directness and attacking threat, which is what Foden brought in the few minutes against Everton and then Continued against
1: Chelsea. Well, you talked there about potential players kind of moving into midfield, and one that we saw a brief kind of glimpse of in the middle against Chelsea was Recall Lewis. He came on with just a few minutes to go, and he came on in the middle quite um, surprisingly. It was when, you know, everyone was expecting uh, the right back to go off when he came on, but he remained on, and Lewis went into midfield. I think he was alongside Phillips and I want to say Palmer by that point in the middle. Quite a youthful um, Blues midfield, you know, and, you know, it was only four minutes, he was on the pitch plus added time, and there wasn't an awful lot of it. I think the fact that you know we've 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 praised Lewis plenty over the last few weeks and rightly so, but I think the fact that Guardiola already trusts him in not only right back and as we've seen kind of tucking in from right back into midfield, but to actually just be in midfield as itself, it, it kind of speaks volumes of how much he trusts this barely turned eighteen year old already. And as I said, I don't think. Even with Foden, I don't think we've seen him tr- put any sort of this level of trust in any you've played before. Apart from maybe Messi, huh? but you know, I think Messi is a bit of a different kettle of fish there.
0: Yeah, it like I, I've been saying we are in very much in new territory with um with Rico Lewis. I I've not checked, but I think Lewis himself is up to uh what's the honest, pretty much played the equivalent of six full games already for City and
1: but thirteen, twelve, thirteen appearances. Uh, I'd say. Yeah, like it's, it's about it's about five hundred
0: and forty minutes, um, and that is remarkable. Like I would, I will check, but I'd like to know how much Foden played in his first season or his second season. And it, it's kind of about this time when usually, you know, you get a glimpse of the youngsters and then they fade away because City are then at the business end of competitions. But I don't really think we'll see that with Lewis because. Like Guardiola said, he has exceeded their expectations and is is seen as an option um, in the first team. And and like you say, like yeah, predominantly he's a right back, but he spent so long in central midfield that if Guardiola wants to give rest to Rodri, um, or if Phillips can't can't do that, or also needs rest if he's playing, you know, Phillips is down to start at Southampton on Wednesday, but with extra. Having barely played ninety minutes for for so long, will he be able to last ninety minutes? If not, Lewis is is an option where kind of last month maybe he wasn't. So it is a real find for City uh, this this season, and the, the fact that you know Guardiola is willing to keep giving him minutes shows that he's still got the right attitude, because again, if Guardiola isn't entirely happy with you, he won't put you on.
1: Absolutely, and I've just got Phil Thornton's first season stats up here, 2017-18. Uh, now, I, maths is not my shot uh, strong suit, but from about 10 first-team games, I think, um, in the Champions League and in the Premier League and in the Carabao Cup, I've got his minutes at around between 300 and 400 um, for the whole season, so you know, Lewis has already surpassed that in... Both in both appearances and minutes, and you, as you and I agree, it's not like Taylor Howard Bellis came in for a couple of League Cup games, and we think, oh, he looks really good. Maybe he'll have a a presence going forward, and I'm sure there's a few more here and there you could name. But with Lewis, it just already feels like he's a full crumb member of the first team.
0: Yeah, and you know it. It shouldn't be forgotten how how big a talent Foden was and is, but having made his debut in a friendly against United in the. Summer of um twenty seventeen Guardiola was like, "Remember this kid, and has since said you know he's the best youngster he's worked with so you 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 probably get more minutes as a defender than than a forward in a Guardiola team if you're coming through because it's the forwards that he really has to rely on to um to win games and to break down defenses, so you can understand why Lewis might have more, but it also shows how. How good Lewis has done! Um, how amazingly well he is doing to to be getting those kind of minutes in the in the city team because it is really really hard, and he's up against Kyle Walker with however many appearances and caps and international games, and Cancelo the same. So it it, it shows, and it, it also you know gives more encouragement to the to the academy players because the more players they see breaking through, the more they're like, yeah, that that could actually be me.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I'm sure there's plenty more to come. And just to wrap up um the Chelsea kind of review, that um it's quite uh quite telling that there's no Erlen Harland or Kevin De Bruyne involved at all. Science City, but you know, um really one without any drama whatsoever, really comprehensive and that's really good going and that's really good to know. You know, we we know Haaland's got um a few injury problems and you know well not problems at the minute, but you know, they could strike at any time given his kind of not the best record and De Bruyne you know getting on as well Um, not been not had the cleanest bill of health over the last few years so the fact that City are kind of getting on really comfortably without either certainly bodes well especially as we said numerous times with such a hectic fixture schedule coming up
0: Yeah I mean I said like every call Guardiola made came off and that included the bench being able to le to sort of put De Bruyne, Haaland, Gundogan, Stones, Ake on the bench was was good, but being able to keep them there was was really good. Um, it's a funny one, really, because like Chelsea at home in the FA Cup or Southampton away in the League Cup, which is harder, and you'd probably say Chelsea at first, but with the injuries um, Chelsea have got, and then Southampton's a quarter final, so win this game and you get closer to the trophy than you will if you beat Chelsea in the FA Cup and the FA Cup is kind of (sighs) it kind of is important to City but just because of the way the calendar works they tend to give it all for the Carabao and then by the time the FA Cup rolls around it's before or after a big Champions League game or Premier League game and City have had a habit in the last few years of just picking a a bad team for Champions League, for FA Cup semi-finals and kind of going out limply and that is a shame but kind of shows that the Carabao takes more priority just because of the way the calendar falls. So, you know, beating Chelsea is is a big thing and beating Chelsea twice is a big thing and, you know, they've not got the best draw with probably Arsenal at home Um, but it is a home game and, and also, you know, everyone's looking for weaknesses in Arsenal and if City take them to the cleaners at the Etihad on and at the end of January, that's going to give them a lift for going to, to the Emirates. I think it's mid Feb they go. So, you know, that is um, another opportunity for them to, to make ground in the league, I would say, if they can do that in the same way that teams will be looking at and thinking, yeah, they've beaten Chelsea twice in a week, they're, they're quite good. So it's... It's good that Guardiola has all of his players that he left on the bench available for for Southampton to get them nearer to that first trophy of the season.
1: Absolutely. Well, let's talk about that FA Cup draw because if City, as you say, want to advance further, they may have to face Arsenal or uh, League One's Oxford United. Those two teams will face off in the last um, FA Cup game of this round. There's a potential for an upset. We've seen Stevenage pull off a massive one against Aston Villa as um, City were soundly beaten Chelsea, so that's a good one for the uh, for the TV uh, choosers of games, wasn't it? A really sound choice there. But as um, I say, Arsenal, it'll be the weekend of the 28th of January, um, the game will take place, um, should should Arsenal get through and then as you say the the final league meeting uh, the first league meeting I should say will come just a couple of weeks later on the weekend oh no on 15th of February um, you know we've the fact that the orig- the first match at the Emirates or the Etihad sorry got kind of postponed um, due to the, uh, the passing of the Queen and that would have been you know at the time City and Arsenal were kind of even closer than they are now and it would have been quite an interesting one to see Arsenal's title credentials and since then, since missing that game, Arsenal have kind of gone from strength to strength. strength. City have had their wobble. Arsenal seem to be kind of maybe... Feeling the pressure a little bit now. They drew in Newcastle recently, so having this game as a little precursor to that Premier League clash, as you say, at the Etihad, could be really interesting. It comes, you know, it adds an absolutely probably an unwanted fixture to an absolutely hectic January, which now reads as you know the Derby and then uh, Tottenham at home, uh, a trip to uh, uh, the visit of Wolves uh, before playing Arsenal in the FA Cup, and then at the start of February going to Tottenham. So it's an absolutely ramshackled couple of weeks for City, but could, as you say. As we've said numerous times, the big games tend to get City up for it a bit more, as we've seen with the double header against Chelsea. They like that pressure upon them, and having Arsenal just a few weeks before, if, as you say, there if they can deal a win and de- you know deal a really serious psychological blow ahead of the Premier League, it could be a kind of a hidden benefit that we didn't see coming.
0: Yeah, I mean Guardiola's has kind of flatly refused any suggestion that City have the edge in the title race still. Um, or that Arsenal's inexperience might cost them. But there's every chance it will. And everyone is waiting to see whether an Arsenal team that have flickered with promise in the past can keep it up. And, you know, I don't think some expect them to still be here in in January, but here they are. And they, you know, they probably will be there until close to the end, if not the, uh, the, the final day. So... They have done really well and I think back to the game at the very start of 2022 when um, City went to the Emirates and it was a really, really tough game and Arsenal really outplayed them Um, and I think Arsenal were were 1-0 up and Ake cleared off the line and then a minute later Gabriel was sent off and City equalised with a soft penalty and then... You know, it was a last-minute winner from Rodri and, and you sort of sensed a shift in Arsenal and that the soft Arsenal were were gone and something decent was there. And obviously that didn't pan out across the second half of the season completely for them because Arteta still faced a bit of pressure. But the, the framework was in place then for, for Arsenal to build something and, and this season they really have. However, they've lost every time at the Etihad since Guardiola's been there Um, and there have been a few big score lines and a lot of comfortable wins so however much hunger there is in this Arsenal team and however much they've kind of defied the pressure so far at the end of January they've still got to come to City a place where you know no player is used to winning they're just used to suffering a comfortable defeat and losing so if they can win and knock City out of the cup that will be huge for them but at the same time if City win it will inevitably lead to people saying yep City are better than Arsenal they've got the edge and kind of give City a bit of momentum for this Arsenal team because when City have been top everyone's like how do we see a weakness how do we see how they can be beaten and when they slip up everyone sees what lessons they can take and Everton's You know, said they looked at the Brentford win at City to show how they could maybe, maybe unsettle them. So, if City can unseat Arsenal in the FA Cup, then it it does open it up for others to um, to see maybe how they can get a result against Arteta and his team.
1: It'll certainly be an exciting one and we can't wait for it but before then there's another cup competition to deal with on Wednesday City will travel down south to face Southampton in the quarter finals of the Carabao Cup as you mentioned there side City like the Carabao Cup a lot they'll no doubt be wanting to win it back after finally relinquishing their grip on it last season but comes at an awkward time it's a big trip down to the south coast just a few days before the early kick off on Saturday with an away trip to Old Trafford in the Manchester derby how do you see you know Southampton are struggling at the minute of course did get a win in the FA Cup themselves at the weekend over Crystal Palace but are at the foot of the Premier League table Nathan Jones you know, got his first win in charge uh, on, on Saturday but has certainly been struggling since taking over from Ralph Hasenhuettel. how do you see this one going and what, what kind of team do you think Guardiola will go with you you'd, you'd kind of imagine a few changes here but as i say a game he'll want to win regardless of how many changes he makes
0: yeah it will be interesting to see what he does with Haaland, especially um with that uh manchester derby on on at half 12 on the saturday it cuz the, the kick-off times teams in the champions league if they've got a wednesday night away game they no longer have to play at half 12 on a on a saturday cuz they've accepted that like the traveling is is too much but i mean I, i'm not sure on city's travel arrangements I would kind of like to think for their sake they're flying back on Wednesday night rather than going on a going on a coach because that can probably take more travel time than a a European away for them so there's not much turnaround and with Haaland's fitness you wonder whether you know he can get through both games I think you know 60 minutes start at Southampton and then take him off for the the derby would be the the ideal option for Guardiola but you know, you, you don't know what the match situation is. And if you're chasing a goal, are you going to be taken off off Haaland? I think that's where maybe Alvarez can can come in. Um but yeah, I would kind of expect it to be a stronger team, slightly stronger than it was for the Chelsea game, because you know it was a strong team for Chelsea, but he's already said to say that Calvin Phillips will start. So there has been an acknowledgement that some first team players need rest. Um yeah you can spin Southampton either way you can say they've won under Nathan Jones they will take confidence into that or you can say maybe better for city that they've won because they won't be as desperate for for a win it, i mean it's a free hit for them because no one expects them to beat, beat city um and it it's a difficult away for city in the context of the draw where they you know they could have had southampton at home or they could have had a much Shorter trip, uh, with a lot of the teams in the in the draw. So it's yeah, a, a, a difficult one. But like I say, City will be expected to win. And although the turnaround is tight, they are used to these these kind of turnarounds. So it's um, you you would expect kind of you De Bruyne's and Harlands to come back in. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah, and and kind of the added complication, I guess, of the Cowboy Cup is that it's still a two-legged semi-final, despite the kind of truncated calendar and whatnot. That's coming. You know, it leads to some great games, draws, depending. Um, but it, it, I can see it being a bit of an issue this time around, given the truncated nature of the season. Should City advance past Southampton, the two semi-final legs will be kind of the the last week of January, and then the the kind of last couple of days or first week of February like kind of wedged in between their a potential uh, game against Arsenal definitely a game against Tottenham and then the other game against Arsenal it, it really is going to be an absolutely hectic calendar for City and the real challenge for Guardiola is going to be man- managing that small squad he's got and the injuries and where it will be important for Phillips to get a good load of minutes in his legs and start getting you know, start Performing um, to any sort of level after his kind of uh, disappointing start, of course. And yeah, it's going, to, it's, going to, it's going to be quite a challenge negotiating this. And as Guardiola has said often, no one knows what's going to happen after the World Cup. I think most teams have pretty much, you know, apart from Chelsea, who have been absolutely ravaged, everyone else is pretty much not really, from my viewpoint anyway, haven't suffered massive upturning injuries to any extent. But I think we'll soon start start seeing now with the fatigue with so many games. Of course, the Champions League resumes in February as well. This will be the real kind of testing grounds of you know of City and Arsenal and any other would be challenges. I mean, they're going to get
0: United in the semis, aren't they? If if both make it three. oh yeah, <laughs> three games in a game was, month. I think it was consecutive years they got them in the semi final, um, and yeah, I mean they've played they'll play Chelsea four times this year. Maybe more with the Champions League. Liverpool three times. Maybe more with the Champions Four. Leagues. Four, Community yeah, shield. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so it's kind of made for them to play another big team again, but um, without getting kind of too far ahead. City's biggest weakness under Guardiola has been knockout ties, um, and you know they a, a lot has gone against them in the Champions League, and they've not quite managed the Champions League well. Uh, but there were two years ago when they made the Champions League final, they really did. And last year, I, I think you could paint it as them falling again. But equally, I just think it was so bizarre. The Real Madrid semi-final was sort of like one in a one in a hundred chance of of happening the way it unfolded. So City would generally, ba- you know, they back themselves over thirty eight games. I think they back themselves against anyone over over two games. And United would be very tough, but aside from that, Newcastle would be tough. Leicester, Forest, Wolves, um,
1: Charlton. Uh, if they get passionate. Charlton,
0: yeah. So um, I, I don't think um, you, you know it, it, it's bad in the sense that it's another game in the calendar, and you can see why one-legged semi-finals would make sense. But at the same time. City would prefer um, two legs rather than one leg because it reduces their chance of of suffering a, a shock. I would say as heavy favourites for any tie and any competition they they go into. So um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, get past Southampton first. And I should say for all the chat of Arsenal in the fourth round, Oxford might might beat them tonight and cause a big shock. So um, we we probably can't talk too much about ties that haven't haven 't happened yet but um I, I think there are no there are no real demons for city should they make it past southampton
1: absolutely absolutely well we'll keep a keen eye on. Arsenal versus Oxford and all of City's upcoming games over on uk forward slash Manchester City you can get all the build up uh, match coverage and reaction to all the games of course and any other news and interesting tidbits that come out of the Etihad and of course you can get all our um, lovely insights to it on, right here on the Talking City podcast you can also watch this podcast if you so wish in living colour all over on our new YouTube channel uh, I think oh, I can't remember what it's called Man City dash MEN there you go go and give that a google give us a nice little subscribe and like and get our numbers up that would be very much appreciated as is your continued listenership everyone so thank you again for tuning in and we'll see you later on this week to talk about the southampton game and uh, look forward to the big manchester derby on saturday but until then it's goodbye for now so tara